Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Shulok. Shlesson. The podcast that takes a pop at culture. Shulok. Shlesson. 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 Very good and a very exciting menu. We've got a lot to get through this week, so sure look it. First of all, we're going to take a look at something that's really my bag. No one will save you. Then we've got an absolute sack of Godzilla content with both Monarch Legacy of Monsters and Godzilla Minus One. And then we've got a real damp bag. I can't think of any more bag metaphors. We've got a real sack of shit with Aquaman. The crazy <laughs> tail. The teaser trailer for Aquaman. Aquaman 2, who gives a crap? And then, Ben, I've seen, <laughs> speaking of stuff that's dreadful, I've seen Equalizer 3. Yeah, yeah, you have, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough, I've, I've really been thrown off by sack of shit. I've really I couldn't think of any more bag metaphors, Ben. Michael, have you ever sat down and thought to yourself, I wonder what's going on in Brazilian folklore? No, literally never been. No, not many people have, Michael. But there's loads going on, and that's what we're going to be taking a look at today. Oh, how exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. So we've got bloody Sachi and, uh, you know, Kuka, and loads of loads of great stuff going on, Michael. Loads no, of can't. great stuff going on. I can't wait, Benjamin. But sure, look, I have to tell you, I don't really care, because you put a trailer on our running order this week for the film that looks like the inside of my brain, if you ask me what's the perfect film. Yeah, no, seriously, this is Ghosts meets Aliens meets Time Travel meets old-timey heroine Final Girls. Uh, versus versus people, there's people looking up in the sky and doing creepy neck stuff and there's aliens and then there's a big spidery alien and there's aliens, Ben, but they're in your gaff. Michael, this this threw me off. At a, at a core level, this terrified me. Th- oh, this good. was a very effective trailer. Yeah, 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 very good. Yeah, very good. Ben, uh, the original working title for this trailer, I believe, was There's Aliens in Your Gaff. There's Aliens in Your Gaff, and it's not great. No. It's not great. Ben, the aliens in this seem to be very creepy fellas until the final act when they're just going to become big, gribbly monsters. Michael, so this, I think this is, it looks to be a retro set film because we saw a rotary phone in service. Of all places. Of all places, Michael. Now, it might not be. We could be thrown off by that. Could be a con. Mm. I don't know. Could be the 80s. Yeah. Might not be. It could be the 80s or the 90s, because there was a fairly modern-looking FedEx truck. Yeah. This has a big Third Encounters vibe to it, though. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, I assume you mean. Yeah. Third Counters, the wonderful <laughs> show about how it's often not the first or second counter you choose for your kitchen renovation, but the third. The third, a nice marble. Or a granite. Ben, or a granite, yeah. it, it does have... It, it's every classic... It, well, hold on, hold on, before I say anything. It doesn't start like an alien encounter, an alien abduction film. It starts more like a home invasion film, and that's very much on purpose. Yes, they've done that very intentionally, Michael. We get a statistic at the start that says 1.6 million home invasions occur in the US every year. Yeah, I don't think it says in the US, but it does say every year. And then... One of my biggest fears, Ben, is aliens coming in the front door. They're just waltzing in. <laughs> just waltzing in the front door. Just letting themselves in. If only you put the latch on, the aliens wouldn't have gotten in. Uh, I, Michael, if anything, this is a public service announcement to everybody. Lock your doors, ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? Lock your doors. 
lock up your children, keep your pets in the basement. There's aliens. And there's aliens. Now, Michael, one of the things that surprisingly unnerved me was the tiny pitter-patter of feet. Oh, very good, Ben. The aliens creeping around the place, going real slow and then real fast. Very scary, Michael. I got I got a distinct grey man vibe off them. They seem like little grey men, maybe, that can turn into big squibbly monsters. Oh, you don't mean the grey man with Ryan Gosling? No, not the great man. <laughs> Just little Ryan Gosling's running around. The little Ryan Gosling's coming to your front door in your gaff yeah. to abduct you. That'd be terrifying. Yeah, there's. Uh, they definitely seem to be grey aliens, but they seem to have the ability to grow big long legs at some stage. Big spindly chasey boys. Yeah. Um, oh, come here to be that visual with the, the lads looking up in the sky and the distended necks. Mm, looked very sore. Ben, they seem to have some sort of telekinetic powers, which is one of the tricky things about these grey aliens sometimes. Yeah, they can move you with their mind and yeah, or the their ballads. Yeah, and their hands. But also, they have different colours of lasers. They have white lasers and red lasers. It's a classic double combo, Michael. <laughs> what are they doing? What are the different lasers doing? Michael, do you know, it's funny. I often I often think about that, how we've coded stuff to be like, well, you know, the colour should have a function. Maybe if it's a red laser, it's set to kill. Maybe if it's a white laser, it's set to stun. But... If they're anything like humans, they've just got fun colour settings on things because <laughs> they like doing that. They've just got different LEDs. <laughs> Michael, we do that all the time. Humans do that for no reason. Here's an or- here's an RGB LED strip to put around your room. You can change the colour whatever you want. You can abduct humans with any colour you want. Any colour you like. Maybe that's the unique selling point of that item on Mars or wherever these aliens are from, Michael, where they're like, abducting humans? Now do it in ice blue. Mm, <laughs> Cherry red. Delicious. Whatever colour you fancy. A lot of this doesn't make any sense, though, because it's it seems to be a classic home invasion horror film with creepy things coming around to get you and nails flying out of the wall. Why are the aliens removing those nails from that blanket bed? Because they're coming to get her. But what's the blanket doing? The blanket's stopping them from seeing her. Oh, is it? Yes. On the electromagnetic spectrum, is it? I, I don't know. I don't know if blankets block the electromagnetic spectrum, do they? Well, they, they block some of the, of the light part of the electromagnetic spectrum. Oh, oh, oh right. Okay, I see. I yeah, see. Yeah, that's, that's why if someone puts a blanket up in front of you, Ben, you can't see them. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the light's yeah, yeah, not yeah, yeah, going yeah. through. Unless the blanket has a loose weave. And then you get a little glimpse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if it's quite thin. Like a little grey head popping above the parapet, for example. Yeah, going, eh, gonna eh, get you. Gotcha. We're in your gaff. Anyway, okay, okay. I'm going to go see this. I can't wait. I can't wait either, Michael. I'm very excited for it. Now, but there's an interesting thing in the in the, the L YouTube description for this, Michael. It says, uh, an action-packed face-off between Bryn and a host of extraterrestrial beings who threaten her future while making her deal with her past. Oh, what does that mean? Is it all in her head, Michael? Is Bryn just having a moment? Has she been home invaded as a child and just being forced to relive this, perhaps? Oh, it's not aliens at all. It's horrible memories. It's trauma, Michael. A classic trauma. Bloody millennials. Uh, And then it says a host of beings. So maybe it's multiple extraterrestrials. Maybe she's in the middle of an extraterrestrial turf war. Maybe. Maybe like the Crips and the Bloods. Yeah, who knows, Michael? Who knows? I, anyway. I, I know someone who'd know. Go on, tell me more. Kurt Russell. Yeah, Kurt Russell seems to know a lot about monsters, doesn't he? He does. He knows everything about monsters. Ben, 
this can only be we're talking about monarch legacy of monsters starring not a joke this is actually starring Kurt Russell yeah he's there he's in it in it Ben did we know Kurt Russell was in this did we know this was happening where did this come from so the biggest curveball for me here Michael is this is produced by Apple TV Apple TV Apple TV didn't exist when we started doing these yeah, uh, these kind of Kong reimagining these monarch based. I guess you'd call it monarch Godzilla because it's uh, this started in Godzilla King of Monsters. Was that what it was? Was it? Was it not Kong Skull Island? I I don't I, I don't know I don't oh, know. Look, look, Ben, there's a kitty cat. There's a kitty cat. Ooh. Oh, kitty cat. <laughs> classic bit of podcasting there, ladies and gentlemen. Ben, she's grand, ladies and gentlemen. This is she's the. Grand. This is the Monsterverse. This is the Kong versus Godzilla Skull Island Monsterverse. Brie Larson. Yes. Brie Larson was in this at one point. John Goodman is back. John Goodman is back, Ben. And he survived, apparently, being in Cloverfield. Was that in this universe? I don't know. I'm not keeping track. But did we know this was coming? All joking aside, the first I heard of this was this trailer. Yeah, same. I had no idea. It just came out of... Nowhere. And Kurt Russell is quite famous. Very, in fact. Is this is this a byproduct of the writer's strike? Did we not know Kurt Russell's not in this because Kurt Russell couldn't talk about being in this? No one's allowed to talk about being in it, Michael. That's how it works. <laughs> I know, it's gas, isn't it? Things are just appearing out of nowhere and like, what do you think of this? And we go, oh, we didn't know. It's great for podcasting, Michael. <laughs> Everything's a surprise. Everything's um, a surprise. The other big surprise about it, though, is unlike, say, Disney and their cheapification on their Disney Plus um, app, this looks like it's going to have a fully functional Godzilla in it. Yeah, Apple TV doesn't muck about, Michael. Go on. I've I've been a bit of a, an Apple TV evangelist for a while now, Michael. You've, you'll have heard me on this podcast saying that Apple TV is making some of the best damn sci-fi content on the world today. You're a real Jimmy Appleseed. I am. I'm a big fan of the apple seeds. Old Jimmy Apple Seeds. That's what they call me because once I get going, I won't shut up about Apple TV. Can't just leave that hanging, Ben. No, I'm done now. Is that it? You wound me up and watched me go. Uh, No, they make phenomenal stuff, Michael. They're working with Silo at the minute. Silo was a great series that we didn't really cover much on this podcast, but it was a very, very good, literally, bunker mystery. Uh, Then we had Foundation, which is the classic Isaac Asimov uh, trilogy, and then subsequent novels in the same way that Dune has a trilogy, and then multiple spin-offs and so on and so forth. But they also handle that. Foundation is phenomenal as well. We've seen severance from them. What's going on in that creepy office, Michael? Mm. Uh, excellent stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, look, we'll watch, we'll watch Legacy Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, because it looks all right. It, it's a little bit hard to know anything that's going on in it, Michael. Godzilla's established, as we knew already. Apparently, there's a hidden history behind the hidden organisation of Monarch. There's always a hidden history, Ben. You should know that by now. Yeah, there seems to be, have been a schism, and we're going to find out what that was. Kurt Russell mm. was involved in the schism. There's good monarchs and bad monarchs. Ah, oh, amen, amen. Speaking of uh, a show that seems to show, or speaking of a movie that seems to show kind of little regard for human life in a Godzilla film, let's take a look at a film that shows a lot of regard for human life in a Godzilla film. Go on. Michael, you slapped up mere moments before we decided to record this in a classic bit of podcasting professionalism. Godzilla mm. minus one, 
the trailer. Minus one. Not Godzilla zero, Ben. Godzilla minus one. Minus one. What's now, going on? On the, other, on the other hand to Monarch Legacy of Monsters, we have actually known about this for a while. Oh, have we? Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not a surprise. But this is Japan. Good old Toho, Ben. The originators of the Godzillas. Oh, yeah, the lads who have them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. the original lads who did them. And they're like, well, we're going to do them again. What do you think? What do you think of that? But this time, any subtext about Godzilla being some sort of nuclear punishment for World War Two or some sort of reflection of Japan's fears of the atom bomb. It's not subtext anymore, it's just text. It's just text. What, what, what is your reading of this correct? Yes. Do you think that Godzilla represents the atom bomb and Japan's punishment for World War II and their attempt to atone and seek forgiveness? Yes, that's what it is. That's it. That's, that's the movie. But, but he's a big giant lizard and he's going to step on people. Yeah, but you shouldn't have done that in World War II. Shame on you. <laughs> Benny's stepping on everyone. Everything. Everybody. There's buses being flung about the place. There's screaming Japanese people. There's so much going on in this trailer, Michael. Mm. Unlike the recent American films, it's happening during daylight with a steady camera. With a nice, steady camera. What if we shook it about everywhere? What if we did and that? You, no. No, thank you. you. Just you can do, No, we'd rather see in full daylight clarity Godzilla stepping on people. Yes, the symbolism direct, and so too is the camera quality. Yeah, yeah, great. Absolutely fabulous. No, like, cutting away or dramatic, like, camera flashes around the place. No, just, it's Godzilla stepping on people and bits of concrete going up in the air. Yeah, boom, whish, bang. Oh, no, Godzilla. Yeah, he's back. He's back for a new generation, Bill. It looks like the origin story again, though. Michael, to be honest, these two... Uh, these two things uh, look so incredibly similar as films. That's that's one of the things that struck me. They're very closely aligned, right down to the monster design. They're very similar Godzillas. They're not identical Godzillas. Not not identical, no, but quite similar. The Japanese one still has more of the man in the suit proportions. Ah, classic. Yeah, I love his I love his big stompy feet, Ben. I'm just obsessed with his big stompy feet. Big stompy feet. Michael, speaking about films that have no care for human proportions or correct human representation, we got a bizarre teaser trailer for Aquaman 2, The Lost City. Kingdom. Or as the Americans just absolutely insist on calling it, Aquaman. Ugh. Ugh. Just, just horrid. No, no good, Michael. Benjamin, what is this? What? Where do you keep looking, Ben? You I see need to him on close edge. the window. There's you're, you're just there's looking around the whole time. From the window, Michael. Go close I'm going the to go window, do yeah. that now. You spin your wheels on Aquaman: The Lost Kingdom. I don't really have much to say on Aquaman: The Lost Kingdom, <laughs> to be honest. But I'm just being so distracted by you being so on edge. So I'm just going to watch Ben standing up, ladies and gentlemen. Off he goes to the window. It's almost like this is his first podcast in a lot of ways. And I suppose on episode 99 of the second series of this podcast, we could forgive him not knowing exactly how to do it. But sure, look, that's neither here nor there because we got the trailer for Aquaman 2. But this time Patrick Wilson's back. I thought Patrick Wilson was dead. No, no, no. They, they reconcile at the end. Jason Momoa says it's all about f- La Familia. Right, 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 right. And then they reconcile, even though he was a racist, awful prick for most of the movie. Yeah, he was no use at all. But now he's going to team up with Aquaman. 
Aquaman. Aquaman. Horrid, horrid stuff. To defend against... Who's this guy? Black Manta? Is that his name? Black Manta, yeah. Black Manta's involved. He's back and he wants revenge and he's got an octopus machine. Michael, who cares? (laughs) I don't know if anyone cares. Blue Beetle has absolutely bombed. And then there's this. Is the new DC Universe happening? Is the new DC Universe not happening? Why? Where does this fit into it? I reckon about six people are going to go see this. Prepare for me to be incredibly wrong and this becomes a billion dollar movie. You see, you've got the Snyder, because it's still technically the Schneiderverse. Is it? It is. Well, I mean, it is. If it's Aquaman it? 2, it's following on from the continuation because Jason Momoa represents the Snyder Schneider Aquaman. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And it, it's, it's unavoidable. But Michael, this is a teaser trailer. Teaser. It's a teaser. It's a teaser. It's a teaser for the teaser trailer. It's saying in four days, we're going to release the teaser for the trailer, which is coming out in a few weeks. But this is what's happening as a result of the strike. They can't get celebrities to jump on and plug it. So they're like, oh, another teaser. Teaser, teaser. Tease that teaser, Ben. Tease that teaser. Michael, did you see the janky flash level CGI on Nicole Kidman at one point during the teaser teaser? No, I didn't. I didn't even realise that was Nicole Kidman. It's Nicole Kidman, but in a strange, elongated, grey man form, not unlike No One Will Save You. Oh, I didn't realise that was Nicole Kidman. I thought that was a grey alien from the film No One Will Save You. Yeah, so apparently janky, janky, janky CGI is now just a DC staple. Just janky... (laughs) Just janky CGI (laughs) and unfinished films that no one goes to see. Who who needs to finish a film, says James Gunn. I'm just going to churn them out. Just churn them out there. It'll be grand. Ben. Yes. The other day, me mm. and our good friend Jim, guess what we did? Uh, was it on a Wednesday? No, it wasn't on a Wednesday, but That's... metaphorically it was on a Wednesday. Okay. okay. We accidentally went to the cinema. <laughs> Look at the pair of ye. Absolute madness, Ben. I felt like I haven't been to the cinema in ages, which is weird because I do a weekly pop culture podcast. Yeah, but we don't ever watch anything or do anything or research anything, Michael. <laughs> we just take pot shots and stuff. Just pot shots and stuff. Like you and, uh, and Warhammer 40,000. The, the Warhammer 40,000 stands really came for you on the internet, didn't they? Fuck them. They came for you the other day as well. They had to go with our commissar one. Did they? What did they say? S- someone took a real issue with Cadia. They were like, oh, the adeptes come from uh, everywhere, not just Cadia. And I was like, yeah, you, fuck you. <laughs> I'd, I'd be banned off the internet if I was allowed to reply to trolls in the way that I wanted to. Ben hates the internet, everybody. Anyway, Ben, I guess what I we went to see? Uh, I don't know what you could see. We went to see, flipping me and Jim, we went to see The Equalizer 3, another yeah. film which I had no idea was even out. This is a weird one, Michael. The one thing that you absolutely need if you're going to make a weird remake of an 80s TV show. Yes, go on. Is a big star. Yes. Like Denzel Washington, for example. What about Denzel Washington? Yeah, he'd do quite well. Then what you need that star to do is get out front and centre and promote the shit out of that movie. Nah, they just didn't. And no one knew it came out. I didn't even know what it was about, Ben. Uh, it's about the mafia. Apparently it's about the mafia. He goes yeah, to Italy to and has it. a love... Yeah, yeah, well, I did go to see it, Ben. Can I give you a very brief synopsis? Go on, you give me a very brief synopsis there. Well, actually, I'm not going to give you a synopsis. I'm just going to sum up my experience. This okay. is a movie yeah, yeah. by idiots 
Uh-huh. Four idiots. Okay. And Jim and I just loved it. Uh, well, yeah, I, I could have told you that, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, are you, so, what are you trying to imply there, Ben? Um, that you enjoyed the film. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. Anyway, it's one of the dumbest pieces of celluloid I've ever seen in my life. Go on, tell me more, it's, Michael. Just imagine... I, I've never seen such a dumb film. The the baddies in it, Ben, are just so comically, moustache-twirlingly evil. Okay. That every now and then they would do something hideous. And I would think to myself, oh my God, I, you guys are in so much trouble when the equaliser gets here. But then I would almost instantly think, no, that is so dumb and so evil. <laughs> And so pointless what they've just done that I'm being emotionally manipulated into hating these guys. And, like, there, there are about 30 baddies in it. The That's mafia a lot of seem, baddies. Yeah, but the mafia seems to be about 30 people and they get by on just being incredibly evil so that no one hunts them down. But all right. it needs is one American to oh, come yeah. and put the world right. And he not only goes on his own this time, Ben, he brings Dakota Fanning. Oh, yeah, DK. Old Dakota Fanning herself, and she's from the CIA, and for some reason she has jurisdiction in Italy. Oh, they all do. Americans believe they have jurisdiction everywhere, Michael. It's fucking gas. It's so stupid. The, there are scenes in it where, like, she she goes to see a police, a corrupt policeman. Oh, yeah, and, as you uh, do. As you do. And then uh, she gives him a list of people he wants to interview. And he says, this one, not a chance. Uh." And then in the very next scene, she's interviewing that guy. And I think we're just supposed to believe the CIA did it. Somehow. Even though up to that point, they've been incompetent. Everyone is incompetent. It's... Ben, you know when we do one of our favourite Irishman Suspos episodes where we just complain about the representation of Ireland in cinema. Yeah, and we have a great time. Yeah, this is written, this is filmed in Italy with Italian actors, but looks like it was written and created and everything about it was made by Americans who'd only heard of Italy from gangster movies. Oh dear. (laughs) Gangster movies and like holiday movies. Is it very racist? It's borderline racist, but... It's too simple to be racist, to be honest. It's too dumb. It's, it is, honest to God, the dumbest film I've ever seen. I see. Everything, everything is just flat out said. But that's, that's kind of a thing, isn't it? Like, the first two are fun. I, I don't know if you'd call them good. No. They're, they're fun I, cinema experiences. Yeah. Well, I mean, we enjoyed it. It was fun. It's dumb and violent and, like, the goodies are good and the baddies are bad and and Robert McCall is a tough guy who don't He's take no nonsense. Tough mother. Yeah. Is. But, oh, my God, just absolute rubbish. Absolute cinematic dreck. Oh, dear. It was like, it was it was the film that Team America World Police was a parody of, but sincere, sincerely. I... I am truly convinced, Michael, that the world has entered a post-parody era. Go on. I I just don't think we're capable of creating subtle nuance anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I we think, are, just not in this mainstream dreck. 
the world got silly at some point and we just weren't able to point out obscurities or or not obscurities but exaggerations anymore it just doesn't work anymore mm. very strange I very know, strange all right so the equalizer bit silly no very very stupid not very a bit stupid. silly very very spectacularly stupid oh, okay well that's that's quite something I don't really know where to go from there, Michael. I've just kind of depressed myself by pointing out that we're in a post-satire era. Yeah, you seem a bit low energy today, Ben. Are you yeah. all right? Yeah, just, yeah, just, you What's know. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I don't know, Michael. Don't You're know. right. I mean, I don't know if the listeners are going to be mad enthused by this section of the podcast. Where Probably not. Ben. Ben's emotional issues. Yeah, the, what's going or on with you? it skyrockets yeah. us. Oh, yeah, I doubt it. Unless you want to tell us what's wrong. Tell us what's wrong with you, Ben. Well, Michael, I've just felt lately that there are far too many Western-centric, colonialised things out there. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like, Michael, here, we have a very Eurocentric, Americentric view of the world here, Michael. And I'm kind of tired of the same old dreck. Okay. Well, what if we went west of here, then? Yeah, go on. To, say, the Americas. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And what, what might we find? Oh, well, Michael, I suppose you might stumble across the lovely country of Brazil. Oh, go on, yeah, quite big. Yeah. And, Michael, as you know, most countries... Oh, go m- on. <laughs> most countries have I'm a form of hear. folklore or mythology. Oh, right, except America. Except America, because it's too young, and they killed everybody that had any kind of uh, folklore or mythology. They just got oh, rid of them. Stuff. Oh, great yeah. stuff, yeah. 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 So anyway, Michael, what if you went to Brazil and then you found, I don't know, their folklore and you turned it into a really kind of cool yeah. Netflix series? Well, I'd love to hear about that then, Ben. Yeah, Michael. So we're doing kind of a retro review here to kick us off a little bit because there's a fantastic show on Netflix called Invisible City. Go on, what's it about? It's about a city that exists outside of the visible light spectrum of the electromagnetic spectrum. Yeah, where all the grey boys be- hang out behind cloth. Yeah, very good. Yeah, they put a big cloth up in front of the city and then people were like, oh, it's fucking invisible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, Michael, not quite. Invisible City refers to the city that's just underneath the real city that we see every day. Oh, I've seen ideas like this before. Yes, Michael, in just about everything. So, you and I, Michael, are big fans, or were big fans, I don't know if we're still big fans, of American Gods. The TV show, I only watched season one. Uh, Yeah, well, I was talking more about the book from Neil Gaiman. Oh, you know, that's great. Yeah, that's very good, Michael. And that's based on a very simple principle. What happened to all the gods? Yeah, what happened to them? Where did they go? Did they die? Or did they just stop existing because we stopped believing in them? And in most cases, the truth lies somewhere in the middle, Michael. It's not that they stopped existing. They just exist in a very different form now. Mm. And, Michael, somebody saw that in Brazil and went, Oh, I could do that with our folklore. And they did. And we got Invisible City. Oh, we could do that with Irish folklore. Yeah, we probably should at some point. Yeah, some sort of Fionn McCool sort of situation. Well, Michael, as as I told you before, there's a there's a great paranormal detective series to be made out of this. I can't remember what I called it last time, but we can still make it for it to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, shame we can't remember what it's called, though. <laughs> shame that, isn't it? Shame that. Anyway, come here to me. Come here to me. Michael, this is a very good series. It's, it's also one of my favourite things about it, Michael. Seven episodes, 30-minute episodes. You could have it done in an afternoon. That's a mere three and a half hours. A mere three and a half hours, Michael. That's basically a Zack Schneider film. 
Yeah, yeah, I've had stomach pains that lasted less than that. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, we could just do that. But anyway, come here to me. It's very, very good. It's based around uh, an environmental detective, Michael. Oh, like the Environmental Detective Agency. Like the Environmental Detective Agency, exactly. Uh, Named Eric. And Eric comes across uh, what is a very suspicious set of circumstances and the murder of a bottlenose dolphin. Oh. Is it a murder if it's a non-sentient being? Uh, well, this is where it gets into it, because it, it was a body originally, and then it kind of isn't. But anyway, as it turns out, Eric is about to become embroiled in the mysterious and sort of seedy underbelly of Brazilian folklore. Oh, very exciting. Ben, is this in the language of Portuguese? It is, yeah. How did you understand what anyone was saying? Because they have <laughs> <laughs> I've really enjoyed that, Michael. That you I don't know. have a conceit that subtitles and dubbing doesn't exist. I don't know how you understood what anyone was saying. Oh, Michael, that's very entertaining. Thank well you. Uh, no, Michael, I watched it with subtitles. Subtitles, oh, go on, yeah. Subtitles. You could follow that up now, Michael, with a tidy little... I didn't know you could read joke if you want. Well, Ben... You've spoiled that, to be honest. That was the next that's where I was going to That go. was the next step, wasn't it? I got there ahead of you. Yeah, just, yeah. just ahead of the curve. Anyway, mm. Eric becomes involved ben. then. Yes. I didn't know you could read Portuguese. <laughs> Zing, zang, zong. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get that on t-shirts. Zing, zang, zong. And then everyone Zing, will know zang, this zong. <laughs> Zing, ben's zang, slightly zong. racist 1970s Chinese character. <laughs> oh, no. Ben, Marvel from the 70s just called. They wanted their Iron Fist protagonist back. <laughs> oh. oh, That little moment of levity and surrealism was brought to you by Shaluk Shalisson, the podcast yeah. that takes pop at culture. Now, ladies and mm. gentlemen, before we dive into Brazilian culture, Michael, we've forgotten one of our favourite bits. What bit? Ladies and gentlemen, have you been enjoying this episode? Oh, I hope so. Oh, do you know what you could do to give us a hand? What? What could they do? You could go and give us a review wherever you listen. Oh, you've just thrown that in here in the middle of a section. That's yeah. fucking fabulous. That's off-kilter. This is, is one of the most it? off-kilter episodes ever. Yes, I've thrown everybody off now, including one Michael J. Leonard. I'm so confused. Where are we, Ben? Murder of we? a bottlenose dolphin. Seedy underworld of Brazilian folklore. <laughs> so, he finds himself embroiled in the seedy world of Brazilian folklore, something is going wrong in kind of the the meta landscape of Brazil, the fictional landscape of Brazil, the folkloric landscape of Brazil, whatever you want to call it, Michael. There's something going wrong. And he has to get to the bottom of it. He's been given a series of clues to figure that out. And over the course of it, he finds out more about his own past and all the goings on with Brazilian folklore. Ben, is he some sort of Brazilian folklore monster? Uh, He's... He's adjacent to it and he kind of discovers that as he goes without doing massive spoilers ladies and gentlemen it is a fantastically paced kind of I suppose noir version of Brazilian folklore he's a detective he's tracking down the clues he's getting to the bottom of it there's loads of weird stuff going on it's great now Ben this is all well and good yes for you to be just going this is a great show and oh there's all sorts of Brazilian folklore and there's a bottlenose dolphin and whatever but Ben what the fuck is Brazilian folklore? I've never heard those two words together. You've never heard them together, have you not? You've never no. Never heard them together. Well, what Michael, is Brazilian folklore, Ben? Is it just going to the beach? Is it going to the Copacabana? 
No, that's that's in Mexico, isn't it? Where is the Copacabana then? Copacabana's in Brazil. You got it. Oh, I got it first time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's racist. Are we going to get in trouble for that? Uh, what? Suggesting Copa- that I don't know. Suggesting that that's Brazilian folklore is going to the Copacabana. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, um, I, possibly. I just don't know. Anyway, Michael, good question. Brazilian folklore generally focuses on. on the environment. So there's a big environmental bent to Brazilian folklore, all about protecting the environment, protecting the natural order, protecting the balance of nature. Now, Ben, shut up for a second, because Brazil is fucking massive. Huge! What is it, 180 million, or is it closer to 200? I couldn't tell you, Michael. The one thing I didn't do in preparation for this episode of Brazilian folklore was look up the population. Look up anything about Brazil. So, like... Like, Brazil has got a shitload of states and everything. Brazil is the size of Europe, then. What is different between saying, like, Brazilian folklore and European folklore? Well, probably the mix of influences to begin with, Michael. Oh, I thought you meant the mix, like, the people like me. Uh, No, no, mix influences. Quite, quite hefty, let's be honest. You're a very influential man, Michael. Yes, very good. Especially with Brazilian folklore. (laughs) Um, <laughs> but yeah so uh, this original of traditions that reflect kind of the diverse history it's influenced by European African and native Brazilian mythologies that have all kind of fused together into various representations of folklore within Brazil now the folklore of Brazil varies from state to state so you can have the same character but with, through different depictions as we go from state to state because as you said before Michael Brazil is massive yeah. Fucking huge. Huge. Um, a lot of what we're going to be talking about today, Michael, is uh, from the work of one particular anthropologist. Um, and his name is Luis de Camara Cascudo, I want to say. Probably. Um, and he put a lot of work into kind of collating all these myths and folklores from around Brazil into one thing in the 20th century. He really put a lot of effort into bringing those together, uh, understanding the superstitions, the cultural kind of traditions that come out of it, dances, cuisines, uh, festivals, that kind of thing. Um, and he kind of tried to collate it all from around Brazil. Now, he didn't necessarily get away with that because trying to collate folklore into one coherent kind of scientific idea it's a very very victorian notion michael mm. there'll always be someone to disagree with you ben probably on the internet probably on the internet michael yeah bloody fucking don't you tell me what an exterminatus event is you fucks <laughs> um you little shitbags right anyway moving on from there <laughs> he put that's a lot the of time listeners. In- that's the listeners you're talking about is it ben that's there the, that's, that's the listeners i'm talking about yeah, uh, funnily good. enough i won't turn this one into a reel and luckily nobody <laughs> listens to the actual podcast oh, um, so i'm safe uh, but a lot of our folklore or a lot of brazilian folklore is based on animals representations of the environment and defenders of the environment i'll go on Um, So those have become very, very popular. Um, And as I said, it's been shaped by a whole host of things. There are some European influences from the Portuguese invasion of... uh, Invasion and colonisation of Brazil. There have been some influences from the native peoples that originally existed in Brazil. And then there are a lot of African influence as well due to a huge influx of African influence in Brazil. (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot of African influence, influence due to the African influence is that what you're saying yeah is that what I said <laughs> yeah that is what you said yeah that's uh, concise 
not great work for me. But Michael, I said to you, I said, I said I'd show you the different ones that say, come up. Chum? So there's a lot of yeah. fun ones here, Michael. And uh, one of my favourites is uh, Boichacha or Boicha. Oh, who's yeah. that now? Look at that there now. Now get that into your eyeballs. I've done a little mid-journeying, ladies and gentlemen, for Michael. Oh, have you? So that, he's so a big he, snake. Yeah, so that he has a, a visual representation. But he's a giant serpent kind of jungle or forest guardian. And he's a giant flaming serpent. Oh, we've seen a few of those before. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if anyone from Brazil is listening, and hopefully you are, first of all, spread this to all your Brazilian pals. First, first thing oh, I don't do know, this. Ben. After that thing I said about Copacabana, we could get in trouble. Oh, yeah, we're probably going to get in trouble. Never mind, ladies and gentlemen, stop listening now so that we <laughs> uh, don't get cancelled. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Um, so, this is kind of a fun one that is part creation myth, part mythical being. Go on. Of the thing. So... It, Way, way back in the early days, or in the early representations in Brazilian mythology, most cultures have a creation myth. How did the world get made? How did it get put together? And usually, during that creation myth, before there was anything, there was absolutely nothing, and everything was a bit terrible. And it's no different Mm. in Brazilian folklore. Um, In the early days of Brazilian folklore, the world is a place of darkness and rain, and nothing good is happening and any animals that could survive kind of got themselves to high ground and any animals that were left behind in a mass flood event, not unlike we've seen in Mesopotamian myth, Sumerian myth, the Bible, there was a giant flood and some animals got to higher ground and they became the good animals. Oh. And some animals got left behind in the kind of mass extinction event and they survived, but not in a very good way. Oh, they're the bad animals. Ben, when you say everything is dark and damp and miserable and nothing good is happening, do you mean like Dublin today? Yeah, it's like Dublin any day. No, not any day. Last week was like summer, but today. It's been very wet today, though, Michael. It has. Horrible. It has. It's a bit like Cavan all the time. (laughs) Take that, Cavan. So in the early days, in the early days of Brazilian mythology, it was pronounced Brazil. And it was very like Cavan. And uh, it was very wet and very awful. Uh, that should have gotten rid of any of the remaining Brazilian listeners that we have, ladies and gentlemen. So yep. on with the show. Um, and now, Dave from Cavan, one of our long-time listeners. Oh, shit. Sorry, Dave. Yeah, so that's him gone now. Um, yeah, so in the early days, there was one creature, Michael. It was called the Boigaju. I'm really, really sorry to Brazilian listeners that are having to listen to that. And that was a snake that lived in a big old dark cave. Where many snakes live. Where many snakes live, Michael. And it was one of the only creatures capable of seeing anything. No, he had eyes, did he? he, Well, he was also a reptile and he was in a cave and he was built for it. He was a bit like Bane, Michael. So he'd be like, you merely adopted the dark. I was Mm. born in it, moulded by it. I don't know if that came through (laughs) on the microphone, but here's hoping. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little snake tongue, is it? It's a little (laughs) snake Okay, I'll do the bad impression again with a lisp. Give me, give Hello. me five minutes. <laughs> but anyway, he came out of the cave all the time and he got to munching people, Michael. Oh, no use. Yeah, so he exploited the darkness, Michael. But then there was a problem. What was the problem? Because one of the delicacies that our good friend, the Boacaju, enjoyed. Mm. Eyeballs, Michael. Ew. Delicious. Yeah. Delicious eyeballs. Those are the ones that he went for. And so pretty much at a certain point, Michael, so, so abundant were the pickings in this dark kind of mythical Brazilian jungle landscape. 
Mm. that he just went around eating the eyes. He didn't bother eating anything else. He just went after eye and eye and eye. And he, he just had so many, Michael. Too many eyes. But he ate too many eyes, Michael. And then what happened was they burned like a light inside his body. What did he say, Ben? Did he say, ay, ay, ay? Oh, that's racist in a whole other way, Michael. No, it's not. Ay, ay, ay is a perfectly reasonable thing to say. Get out of here. He ate so many eyes that the lights lit up inside him, Michael, because the eyes are the windows to all kinds of things and the light givers and lots of things in Brazilian mythology. Mm. And he ate so many, Michael, that his own eyes lit up through the night. Oh, is that good or bad? Uh, not good for him, because then his body lit on fire, Michael. Oh, no. Yeah. Spontaneous snake combustion. Um, and he turned into the being that you can kind of see Midjourney came up with over there. Uh, yeah, which isn't great things. So he became a giant fire serpent from eating so much, Michael. He grew and grew and grew, and then his body lit on fire. And he kind of apparently died in some tellings of the myth, Michael. He burned to death. Uh, but in others, he became this brand new being called the Boy Cha Cha. Uh, if I managed to get that right. And uh, he flies across the sky, Michael. But it's bad news for anybody that comes across him. Go on. Because such a fearsome sight is this creature that it'll drive you mad. Oh, classic. Look, Looking at the mad snake monster drives Ex- you mad. Exactly, Michael. And the only thing you can do if you come across this bizarre being like is it. close your eyes and hold your breath. Oh, like so if you keep film, your eyes, um, keep your eyes closed. Exactly. Because if you keep your eyes open, Michael, you know what he's going to do? Eat you. He's going to eat your eyes. Gonna eat your oh, eyes, your and leave, eyes. Oh, yeah, oh, and leave no. you to stumble around the Amazon. Oh, I don't want them to eat my eyes. Grim stuff, Michael. Grim stuff. Now, over time, that has come to symbolise kind of an environmental telling. He is a guardian of the forest. Basically, if you wander too far into the Amazon, you're going to run into this creature, and he's going to bloody sort you out. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, unless you have a big, huge logging machine, in which case you'll be grand. You just run him over. You'll be absolutely grand, Michael. Speaking. Of Brazilian forest entities that look after nature. Oh, yeah. That moves us on, Michael, uh, to the Curupira, or the Curupira. Did you, did you say Caipirinha? Uh, no, I didn't. No, no. No, no, didn't say that. What's Caipirinha again? It's a drink. Oh, it's a drink, is it? I got yeah, that confused yeah. with Capoeira, which is Brazilian dance fighting. <laughs> That's Brazilian dance fighting, yeah. yeah. We know so many Portuguese words on this podcast. <laughs> I know, look at us. So inclusive. So progressive. Uh, so the Curupira, Michael, uh, is yeah. an entity that protects the forests and animals from hunters. Again, it's kind of a balancing force within mythology. Um, you can see a version of this creature in Invisible City. Um, it is kind of depicted as a man with a flaming head that runs through the forest and attacks anybody that does harm to the forest. Oh. Yeah. And you shouldn't mess with it, Michael, because he will fuck you up. But What will he do? Uh, he will probably throw a spear through you. Oh, no. He'll probably light the spear on fire while you're pinned to the earth. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, and they'll light you on fire while you're at the base of the spear so you burn to death, held in place. Oh, no. I should yeah. be in that jungle. And they'll find your corpse staked to the ground in the morning. Uh, is, this based on, is this based on real mythology? Uh, real... <laughs> Oh, ladies and gentlemen. What am I talking about? Two men at the top of their games. Uh, (laughs) Is it based on real ceremonial ritual executions? Is that what you mean, Michael? Okay. Um, 
there's no evidence to point out that this was even ever a thing in native Brazilian mythology, but he is a very useful scary monster in Brazilian kind of folklore and again a good reason not to fuck with the forest so it depends on which version of the legend you look at in some legends he is a boy with red hair that wanders through the woods and he's more of a trickster god when you see him in the boy form so what he'll do is he'll mess up tracks of animals he will change signs around if you've made any markings in the path to lead you back he'll change those markings What a messer. What a messer, Michael. One of the really interesting things about the Kurapira is his two feet are on backwards. Oh, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah. So what happens is if you try to chase the Kurapira and get back whatever he steals, he might steal your map from you. He might steal your food from you. He might steal supplies that you need to survive in the Amazon from you. And you try to chase him to get it back. His feet are going the opposite direction. So you'll be following these footprints going, I've nearly got him now. He's gone the opposite direction. And he's got you. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. No, but he's gone. His feet are backwards, still. so if he's going to the left, you're following to the right because his feet print the opposite direction. Yeah, but he's still only been in the direction that he's been, hasn't he? I don't know, Michael. <laughs> don't ruin my myth. Get out of here. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, backward foot boy. Don't come and steal my stuff. All right, fair enough. That's, that's all right. Yeah. Good. That was good stuff. That was that was great podcasting. So um it also runs through the forest. There are other variations which are much scarier, Michael, where he's a charcoal skinned, flaming headed man. Um Oh, like Ghost Rider. Yeah, like Ghost Rider, not unlike Ghost Rider. Um the big red hair is important. Kurupira actually comes from a phrase that means blistered one. So in, in certain very horrific versions of this myth, it's a creature covered in blisters and sores and scabs, um, and the black skin is blistered from heat. Um Ooh. and he's burned and disgusting. And ooh, you don't wanna don't wanna mess with that, Michael. Yeah. Oh, um he can also make you very, 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 very ill, um, leaving the person dizzy, sluggish with a headache. Um, and he gives lots of scary whistles, Michael. Now, there are a few different depictions of this, Michael. This is probably, as you might have guessed, a uh, jungle-born illness, um, a mm. malaria, something like that. Um, and this was a nice way to explain that away. Um, and the whistles are actually thought to be something from ancient cultures because you have death whistles in certain Aztec cultures and Southern American tribes. What's that mean? Uh, death whistles are these bizarre things that uh, tribesmen can blow, and it sounds like a death scream coming through the trees. Oh, no. But it's so just scary. a whistle. Yeah, very, very scary. So that's the Kurupira. Ugh. Yeah, no I'm good. I encounter him in my gaff. Uh, no, you wouldn't go near your gaff, Michael. It's only if you built your gaff in the forest. He'd be like, Ugh, oh, get oh, out of okay, here. okay, I won't. Um, so... Once again, Michael, we're we're leaning heavily on the environmental gig, um, and that brings us to Iara or Uira. U- U- uh, hang on, Uyara. Uh, Iara or Uyara? Huh? Who's she? And she's the mother of the water. So we've talked about this a few times on the podcast, Michael. We did an episode a few weeks ago, or a few months ago now on mermaids. And we looked at the African embodiment of the mermaid, which is often mother of the waters or lady of the waters. Oh, so this is African influence, is it? This is a very heavily African-influenced Brazilian character um, and exists in many, many different ways. This is probably the best representation, Michael, of the various influences that have shaped Brazilian culture. Go on. Um, So the Yara myth, or the Iara myth, in the early days 
of its kind of recording the 16th and 17th centuries uh, was not a female character at all. Um, it was a male character called Ipupiara. Okay, what was he doing? He was a fishman who devoured fishermen and took them to the bottom of the river. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, every fisherman's worst nightmare is the fish getting revenge. Yeah, the fish getting revenge. And that's pretty much what happened, Michael. So naturally, that's kind of an early warning of overfishing. If, we, if we're looking for a cultural reason that this character needs, or sorry, a real world reason that this character needs to exist, it's to warn against the perils of overfishing um, did, in certain areas. Did, did, was, here's a question for you, Ben. Was overfishing a concern in the 16th and 17th centuries? I'm assuming overfishing in certain areas was. Like you could deplete the population in a given area. I don't think it's going to be an ocean thing. This is a no, river obviously. goddess. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that makes sense. Um, I suppose it's probably the perils of depleting a one area of its resources. I think it's more... Is it not more the perils of watch out as a fish man? Uh, well, probably, yeah. Also, don't be messing around with fishmen that right you to the bottom of the river. And gobble you up. So one of his original names was the Devil of the um, of the Waters. And that's kind of where we get this conflation of two different things. Now, Michael, in the 18th century, uh, or the 1700s, Michael, we got a new variation on this myth. And this became the seductive mermaid, Uyara. Oh, a sexy version. As in, ooh, Yara. Right, so Ooh, that's, that's the yeah. way that came from. Uh, and fishermen from all over Brazil, fresh or salt water, tell stories of young men uh, who gave in to the charms of this beautiful young woman um, and they end up drowned in uh, both passion and the river. Um, yeah. Figuratively yeah. and just in, in the water. Yeah. So uh, you would find this woman, half woman, half fish, uh, along the shores of wherever you were fishing, um, quite often adorned in red flowers. Um, and sometimes she would take human form and go out in search of victims. Ooh. Better, how, and do these characters appear in the televisual show, There's a City Behind the Blanket? Absolutely. So slight spoilers for Invisible City. Eric runs into Yara or Lara or Camilla is the other name that's given out there. Um, and she is a representation of Yara um, and she was drowned by her partner and was then kind of imbued with the power of Yara to seek revenge. Yara to seek revenge. Classic. Yeah. Um, and she, in full spoilers, attempts to drown Eric for trying to track down a certain clue. At one oh, point. what's happening with the dolphins? Yes, exactly. So uh, very much living up to the name there, Michael, in that particular case. Great stuff all together. Now we're getting into the fun ones and the one that almost every single Brazilian that you mention him to will know. Um, this is uh, Sachi or Saki, or Sa- but I think it's Sachi as far as I know. And this is their version of Loki, Michael. Oh, it's go the, on. It's their trickster god. Um Sachi is generally depicted as a young man and he's very easy to spot. Um, he's a young African descended man or black man, depending on what you want to uh, voice that particular one. But he's very easy to spot. If you ever see a man approach you with a kind of classic Ebenezer Scrooge cap in bright red. Okay. You know, the sleeping cap, you know, the kind of traditional Victorian yeah, sleeping he cap. He, he's not going to bed, but he wears that hat, Michael. And if he only has one leg. Now, unfortunately, no matter how many times I typed in one-legged or amputated leg into mid-journey, it just didn't do it. So my representation there for you, Michael, is not very accurate because he has two legs. But he's he only has two legs. He only has the one, Michael. He only has the one in 
folklore. Um, he is the trickster god and the controller of the winds, Michael, um, and quite often takes the form of a tornado. No, oh. if he's is a bit annoyed. Tornadoes common in Brazil. Uh, I don't think so, but he'll take the form of one. Okay. Um, yeah. So he can place curses on objects. He dulls needles. Um, he disturbs animal life in the middle of the night. Um, he can sour milk. Um, and he can make eggs incapable of breaking. These are some of the classic japes that Sachi gets up to. That sounds useful for the eggs. Oh, no, but then you can't get at them. Then you can't get at them, Michael, for the delicious eggy goodness. Oh, no. Oh, no. How are they making any custard? How are they going to make custard? How are they going to get the custard out for all their custard-based delicacies? They won't be able to. They won't be able to, Michael. He's also a shapeshifter, um, and he takes the form of a very particular bird, the Matita Pereira. Pereira, um, And he likes to sing sad songs in the form of a bird, Michael. What else is he up to? Yeah. The hat itself, Michael, is very, very magical. That's why he wears it. It's not a fashion statement because it looks a bit silly. Um, But it's very, very magical. So he keeps it on his head. He can disappear, reappear and become invisible at will. Oh, yeah. Using the hat. However, however, apparently, even when he's invisible, the hat remains visible. So you just see the silly Ebenezer Scrooge red hat kind of hopping around. That is one of the worst forms of invisibility I've ever heard. Yeah, it's a bit shit, isn't it? Yeah, he becomes more noticeable. It's like if Harry Potter used the invisibility cloak, but he was still wearing a big gold shroud. Yeah, is that a <laughs> is that a hat independently flying around over there, or am I going mad? Or am I going absolutely mental? Um, you can steal the hat, Michael, but that won't end very well. What'll happen is it'll carry a foul odor and it'll mark you, and you'll never be able to get rid of it. Oh, I have a hat like that. Yeah, it, it uh, what? I have a smelly hat. Oh, no. A smelly hat. So that's Sachi, Michael. every man has a smelly hat. <laughs> I don't know what that means, Michael. I don't know if that's a smelly. I don't know if you're getting that something. Just have, just have a smelly hat. Do you not have a hat that's smelly? Your smelly hat? Uh, no, Michael. I've somehow, somehow managed to avoid that. Yeah, I'm um, just going to throw on my smelly hat and head down to the shops. Nope, can't say I've ever had to deal with that, Michael. Um, mm. But come here to me. We're on to our pretty much last one here. Oh, um, one. Two more, technically. And these are a bit spooky, Michael. These are the good oh, ones. Oh, I love oh, spooky these are good ones. ones. So uh, the last female that we have on the list is Kuka. The Cucaracha. And she is essentially the Brazilian boogeyman, Michael. Uh-oh. Boogie yeah. woman. Uh, boogie woman. Boogie Woman. That's a fun uh, riff on the classic Eagle song, Witchy Woman, Michael. Oh, was it? Yeah. That's, that's I thought you were doing it. a bit of disco. Uh, well, it is a little bit. I suppose it would have come out around the same time and was their attempt to break into the disco market, as it were. <laughs> you know? But anyway, in Brazil, the co- uh, the coco, uh, the cuca, or the coco, appears as a humanoid female alligator called cuca. Now, again, mid-journey has a real obsession with making things sexy michael i really didn't yeah. try to make this sexy ben this picture is so sexy <laughs> it's ridiculously sexy it looks nothing like an alligator uh, but i did just type in half alligator half woman and that's what i got half alligator she's half alligator half woman <laughs> yeah. all woman exactly um and other times she's dressed like a woman with ugly hair and a sack on her back but it depends on which one you go um so what do you mean? is what do you mean ugly hair but not in this, Michael. I don't know. It's messy. I don't know. Is, it, is messy hair ugly? I thought messy hair was in. 
Messi has in right now, but it wasn't back then, Michael. It's been neat, oh, tight, okay. clean. Okay, um, so the Cougar is very, very interesting because it is essentially the Brazilian version of a Hispanic uh, myth of Coco. And uh, Coco is not the very, very popular uh, Pixar movie about the afterlife from Mexico, mm. but is in fact the boogeyman in Spain. That's what it's called. Uh, it's El Coco. Um, and is essentially a type of hobgoblin um, that chases children about the place. Oh, no. Does it catch them? Uh, it doesn't... Ca- well, it does sometimes in, in mythological senses. Because it's not real, Michael, we don't really have to worry about that. But it is essentially... It comes in a variety of different forms. It's called Kuki, Kuko, Kuka, Kuku. Cookie, uh, El Cookie. There's loads of them, Michael, that you can work with. Um, but the fun thing that comes with the Coco myth is that it has a bunch of nursery rhymes that you tell your children. Oh, if you don't go to bed and shut up, an alligator woman's going to eat your head. Yeah, uh, pretty much. So one of the Portuguese ones is leave Coco, leave Coco, go to the top of the roof, let the child have a quiet sleep. Now, I'm sure that sounds much nicer in the original Portuguese. But if you think I'm going to do that to myself, get the fuck out of here. I'd love to hear it, Ben. No, nice try. Um, But then the one that's very... uh, focused is the one that follows her as a female humanoid uh, female humanoid alligator which is sleep little baby the kooka comes to get you daddy went to the farm mommy went to work <laughs> that's good isn't it is it is it as a matter of fact in portuguese i hope so because the last one i'm going to read you michael is my absolute favorite and that is sleep child sleep or else coco will come and eat you so direct. So direct. So functional. Shut up, or the half alligator woman, the sexy half alligator woman, will come and eat you. Well, She'll eat you right up, up and your dad way. will try and chat her up awkwardly. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Oh, that's the true horror. Yeah, like Ethan Hawke trying to chat Rihanna up. That was weird, man. That was weird. Shouldn't have done that in front of your family, man. It's not cool. She's not even an alligator woman. She's not even an alligator woman. What's the point? She's um, just a pop songstress. Yeah. So the last one we're going to take a look at, Michael, is Dry Body. And Dry Body is another kind of horror-inspired one. Not necessarily a boogeyman, um, hmm. but it's uh, Zay Maximiano, um, also known as Corpo Seco or Dry Body. Um, ben, I have Dry Body. You can get a moisturiser. You can, yeah, but not for this guy. Get um, a cream, just get some E45. So if you're looking, Michael, if you're looking for a villain of kind of Brazilian folklore, this is it. This is the main antagonist. Um, and he's a relatively recent creation in Sao Paulo in Brazil. It's the mid-20th century this guy kind of came about. And Drybody was a very selfish, cruel and ruthless man who was always harming people in life. Um, and he just really hated other pe- uh, other human beings. He was possessed of kind of an otherworldly hatred for people. Not unlike the saint of killers, I suppose, in Preacher. If you're into that yeah, kind yeah. Of or you this week. Or me this week. Really any week, Michael. I hide it a lot for the podcast, but I really am a misanthrope of the highest order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You usually hide it better than this week. Ben, where's my where's my graphics? Uh, oh, yeah. So your graphic for this one, Michael. Unfortunately, I didn't have time to make this one into a slide, but I do have a little graphic for it, Michael. Oh, would I'd like, love to see a little graphic. Would you like to see it? 
I just I hope it's just a man with flaky dry skin. So there you go. There he is it there is. now. It is. It's, it's it just is. me. It's me straight out of the shower before I put on my E45 cream. So, Michael, what I really enjoy about this one is we have an equivalent kind of for this in Ireland. We have Stingy Jack. Go on. And the, the thing that makes them so equivalent is that when Drybody died... He was so despised by everybody, both God and the devil, that he was rejected. Oh, that's like Stingy Jack. It's like Stingy Jack, Michael. And even when they tried to bury him in the earth, the earth itself refused to take him. It went, nah, mate. So, yeah, exactly. Nah, mate. I'm not having it. Gavi. No way. So anyway. He's a fucking bad egg, mate. Uh, so anyway, he didn't die and he became this wretched corpse that walks the earth, Michael. Um, and apparently he lives um, in the deepest parts of the Amazon jungle um, and will only come out at night. And what happens is when he comes out, he hugs people to death. He seeks some form of... Um, it's In some myths, it's compassion. So he wants to be... Because everything rejects him, he wants some kind of love, so he'll find you and he'll give you a big hug. But he doesn't know his own strength, Michael, and he crushes you to death. Oh, like that fella from Of Mice and Men. Of Mice and Men. Lenny. He Lenny's you. Lenny. It's Lenny. Lenny's you, you to death. Lenny. Mm. Give you a big Lenny. Um, exactly, Michael. Or, or, he yeah. just hates you and he crushes your body. It's a big old Or, dick. yeah, he's trying to rub up against you to get some of your E45. Maybe. Maybe he's hoping to get some of the moisture out of your old body. Yeah. Yeah. To kind of give him a bit of moisturiser. Yeah. And in classic um, kind of Brazilian fashion, depending on where you go in Brazil, in yeah. which state you end up residing in, there's a female version as well. Oh, is she sexy? Uh, no, this one's not. This one's really not. You probably wouldn't want, uh, you wouldn't want to do that. Oh, no, they have a dry body coming at you. But yeah, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to work with uh, dry body. No good. No, he dry you out. Yeah, you dry you out. No good. Um, so he's a vile L creature. So, Michael, that's a little kind of that's a, that's a little uh, that's a little primer on Brazilian mythology. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the few times that I will absolutely invite criticism, not from Warhammer Forty K people. Get fucked. <laughs> uh, but if you are Brazilian and you feel like I've gotten anything wrong about your wonderful culture, please do get in touch with us and, and let us know. I will happily do a Ben's retractions on anything that is as culturally sensitive as the entire folklore of a nation. Ben, I would also love to hear though what the Warhammer Forty Thousand people think about your take on Brazilian culture. Uh, dry bodies don't actually come from Cadia. Um, they're a well, product they of the warp. Because so. Cadia's gone, Ben, so that makes sense. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Ladies and gentlemen, what did you think? Would you like to hear any more folklore-heavy episodes like this? If so, get in touch with us in a few different places and let us know. You can find us on the interwebs at www.shomrabug.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. Get in touch with us and tell us other countries. We don't know any other ones. We don't know any other countries. I've never seen an atlas in my life. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you can also get in touch with us at our wonderful ACAST website, which is sherlocksherelistenpodcast.acast.com. Yeah, uh, Mexico. Does that have folklore? I presume it does. I presume it does. Get in touch and let us know. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can also find us on Instagram at sherlocksherelistenpodcast. The Philippines. It probably has some folklore. I don't know. How would you know? It has an ass wang, Michael. 
Um, that's an actual <laughs> Filipino creature. So it you is, can, yeah, yeah. It's just a funny word as well. Which it's just gas. a very, very funny word. You can find us on TikTok, ladies and gentlemen, at Listen. Yeah, another funny word, TikTok. A TikTok, very funny word. Uh, but the best way, ladies and gentlemen, to get in touch with us, suggest things and give us notions is to hop up on the Discord. Hop up on it. The link is in the description below. You can just bombard Ben with abuse directly into his personal inbox. Yeah, and if we ever set up a Patreon, we'll just give my phone number out and people can bombard me directly <laughs> as, as fast as possible. Uh, that's we'll, it for my... We'll, we'll set up a Warhammer 40,000 corrections hate line <laughs> just straight into your phone number. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it from us for this week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you next week for our 100th episode since the rebranding. Since the rebranding. Why do we keep doing this?